radio. I tell you solemnly, of all the children born of women, a greater than John the Baptist has never been seen, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. John the Baptist is the greatest prophet. He fulfills all the Old Testament prophecies. He's the one who is preparing a way for Jesus. And yet Jesus says that the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. How is that possible? What does it mean to be in the kingdom of heaven? Well, ultimately, I think Jesus is talking about those who are joined to him, those who belong to him. And when we were baptised, if we were baptised, that's what happened. We were joined to Jesus. We became children of God and we became heirs to the kingdom of heaven. And when we're baptised, we're not merely born of a woman. We're born from above. It's the beginning of a supernatural life a life of grace, life in the spirit, whatever you want to call it. But it's a new life which is won for us by Jesus Christ. It's a gift which comes from his death and resurrection. So it's in virtue of Jesus and what he has done for each one of us that we can have that greatness of being in the kingdom. Already in a sense, as baptised Christians, we are in the kingdom. And when we ponder John and all the prophets, we realise that they're special because they direct our attention to Jesus, the source of all greatness, the reason that we can be in the kingdom at all. They point us towards Jesus Christ. And in fact, it's not a bad way to think of someone who is a good Catholic, a good Christian. It's a person who always acts as a signpost, always points towards Jesus Christ. Because when you think about it, what are all those um, teachings from the church about which refer to being missionary, which refer to being faced outwards, which refer to us not being huddled in self-confirming groups, but looking to evangelize, looking to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, looking to introduce others to him. Isn't it all about being signposts? Are we meant to be people who show others the way out of misery, out of darkness, out of a lack of fulfillment to the light, peace and joy that Jesus brings? And that's a wonderful privilege, but also a great responsibility, and one obviously that we don't always live up to. Too often we become obstacles to other people's relationship with Jesus instead of signposts. So how can we be effective signposts? How can we be other versions or imitations of John the Baptist in this sense. I want to suggest two ways, though we could list many more, 
One way is charity. Charity is something which is seemingly getting rarer and rarer, especially charity in speech, although, of course, charity refers to our actions as well. There's so much tearing down of other people. It's very common for us to point out the faults of other people. It's very common for gossip, for calumny, for detraction, you name it. It's very rare when you find a person who is willing to make excuses for other people. Someone who wants to pardon, wants to reconcile, wants to unite. It's much easier to destroy than it is to build up and create. And of course, we all fail in charity. We all, to a certain extent. I remember a priest once telling me, you know, if we could be charitable, or the one who wants to be charitable, if they just control their tongue, but if you control your tongue, you'll be perfect. It's one of the most difficult things um, to do and to do well. But there are things that we can do about it. We don't have to resign ourselves to saying, well, that's just how I am. I like a gossip. You know, I like a good chinwag about my neighbor's faults. I like complaining. I enjoy it. Because there is a certain weird pleasure we get, isn't there? From gathering in our little huddles, in our groups and saying, you won't believe what they did. You won't believe what he or she did to me. And we almost can't wait to share that awful thing that the other person will gasp at and go, no, really. So at the end of the day, one thing to do is examine your conscience. If you fell in charity, make an act of contrition. Take these things to the sacrament of confession. Even if they're not serious lapses in charity, take them to confession. Be determined to grow in charity, to grow in all the virtues. And remember, charity doesn't mean just saying nice things to people. Sometimes charity requires us to say difficult things. You can think of many examples for this, but think of one I've come across in the past where a family member or a dear friend is involved in drugs or something really bad. And the person, of course, could watch their friend or their family member just carry on, destroying their own life and the lives of others. But they intervene, they challenge them, and sometimes they set serious challenges to them. But it's not done out of spite, it's not done um, to poke at their weaknesses. It's done to help them, to love them, because charity seeks the good of the other. So we don't just stand by watching from the sidelines saying we respect their decision. No, love means that we have sometimes an obligation to say something which is difficult but necessary. So charity is one way. Another way is very much the focus of this Sunday. Because this Sunday is known as Gaudete Sunday, a word which means rejoice in Latin. And it comes from the entrance antiphon which we said 
at the beginning. Rejoice because the Lord is near. And it's marked by rose, not not pink, rose-coloured vestments and a candle, which indicates the nearness of Christmas. It's almost like the whiteness which represents Christmas, like the white candle on our wreath is mingled with the purple candle of Advent and taking on that rose colour. So it's saying, the liturgy is saying that the joy of Christmas is so great that it almost enters into the present. The joy is so great that even now we are celebrating it in part. It enters into our preparation. And joy is something we badly need as Catholic Christians. Joy is an effective signpost. But just to clarify, to be joyful is not to wear a permanent smile on your face. That is all either called madness or um, irritating. <laughs> because somebody smiles all the time is just, well, it's very hard to talk to them. We probably all know somebody who's, who's a bit similar to that. Because joy, of course, is much more deeper. Joy is something which is there even in the midst of grief, even in the midst of suffering and trial. Joy is like a river running deep in the soul and it gives us an amazing sense of freedom. Why do I say freedom? Well, because joy comes from knowing that we are loved by God, knowing that we are loved and that we don't have to earn it. In fact, we can't earn it. And we also can't lose it. And that's truly wonderful to know that. It's the sign of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. In fact, we say it's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. It's what comes when the Holy Spirit is dwelling within them. So joy should be in our lives as active Catholic Christians. And when we see joy, when we see it in others, we ask the question, why is it there? Why do they have that joy? And we want it for ourselves. We then seek it. That's why it's such an effective signpost to Jesus, because we may be able to say, that joy is in me because of my relationship with God, my relationship with Jesus Christ, because I know that he loves me, and I know that he loves you. But if we want to be joyful, then we have to spend time in the presence of the one who is infinitely joyful. And that's Jesus, of course, himself. We don't often think of that, do we? Jesus as being full of joy. Jesus brimming with a joy that we can't possibly imagine. Remember G.K. Chesterton used to say that this was one of the things that was so great that we couldn't glimpse it clearly on earth. They had to hide it in a certain way from us. But it's very real. The one who is divinely joyful will pass on that joy to us. But if we don't spend time in his presence, we will be weighed down and we will eventually be tempted to despair when trials come. So charity and joy. Let's pray 
for those two things this third Sunday of Advent so that we can be the signposts that we're meant to be, effective signposts that point and prepare a way for the Lord Jesus. As a free, not-for-profit service, Cradio requires the support of people like you to help keep us going in our mission. To donate, visit cradio.org.au slash donate.